Welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined as always by my oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. I'm here. And my middle brother, Matthew Kuhn. Hey, guys. This podcast is brought to you by Barbasol and Barbasol's new shave club. You really need to... <laughs> um, Mark can't contain himself. <laughs> I can't. All right. You, you really need to get the shave club. If you get a... Premium Ultra 6 Plus Razor for only $2 off your initial order if you use discount code BROWNS. Go to Barbasol.com and you can get the subscription pack with different subscription frequencies. And you can cancel anytime. Grab the starter kit today. Once again, go to Barbasol.com and use discount code BROWNS to receive $2 off your initial order. Visit Barbasol.com today. Mark, why are you laughing so hard? Well, the thing is, is I know that we have a... Fair amount of listeners. I I check, and we have Michael. You I mean, you reached out to Barbasol and you asked how many people took us up on that offer, <laughs> that two dollars off the Barbasol discount shave order. How many people was it? Uh, zero. Come on, guys. <laughs> what are since, we doing? And not zero like last week. Like zero since we started doing it. Zero before <laughs> last the season we started. We started in the preseason <laughs> doing this read. I have read this so many times, and not one person has saved two dollars. <laughs> It's good product, I will say. And so we we hope to uh, shame you into uh, the thing is I, taking I like the to, leap of faith. I like to think people just forgot the code and went and signed up anyway. Discount just, code Browns. <laughs> Two dollars off. Haven't used the code. They're like, oh, I know there's a code. Actually, Can't I think remember. I think I know what the problem is. Is I was listening to the radio the other day and I heard <laughs> someone reading this exact thing. It was like. Uh, featuring the Barbasol they get Shave $3 Club, off. featuring the Premium Ultra 6 Razor. Use discount code SPORTS and receive $3 <laughs> off your initial shave kit order. And I was like, we what? We should just start throwing out discount code SPORTS. <laughs> and I was like, well, shit. <laughs> We're not going to get any orders. So use Browns. You know, you'd sacrifice a dollar, but you'd be helping us out. Uh, I'd really appreciate it. Sorry, Barbasol. I couldn't get through that. Um, so lots of news, lots of exciting news. Um, we just had the introductory press conference for our new head football coach of the Cleveland Browns. That man is Freddie Kitchens. Um, and we made some announcements about our offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. Todd Munkin's going to be our OC and Steve Wilkes, our defensive coordinator. Um, Michael, what do you think about the press conference? In a way, it was a breath of fresh air. In a way, it was kind of scary. <laughs> Like, Freddie Kitchens is so opposite of what you think of with a head coach um, and is not polished, but is very confident no. in himself, which I love the confidence and, like, how comfortable he is in his own skin. Like, that is beautiful to me. And as I looked back at, you know, the hires that we have made over the years since the Browns have been back... I've felt really good as they've all been announced, with the exception of Pat Shermer, on their like their press day. And this was a situation where like going into this hire, I didn't necessarily want the consensus like top guy. And I'm confident in what Freddie Kitchens has shown to us as a head coach. So what I feel or think after the introductory press conference probably doesn't matter at all. Um, but it's always good to hear Freddie Kitchens talk, and that was that was that man is beautiful. A, is, a, <laughs> is a southerner through and through. He is from Alabama. If I didn't know better, and that the way someone talks doesn't necessarily mean um, is not necessarily indicative of their intelligence, I would think that Freddie's not a smart man. <laughs> 
he did quote a handful of people in his press conference, like, and maybe it's just like the couple of like quotes that he lives by that like came out, but. You know, that that's an indication that he's a well-read yeah. individual. He used the phrase um, algebraic equation. And he talked about how um, the reason that they were having fun is because they were winning. And those two things go hand in hand. And so if you're having fun, you've got to be winning. And that's the algebraic equation for the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> well, I, don't, I don't know where algebra... Falls yeah. into that. No, well, he, falls into that necessarily. But good. I I always get the impression that Freddie Kitchens would like just as soon be in a deer stand, like mm-hmm. like just sitting out in the middle of nowhere, talking the ear off his buddy, sitting there waiting to see like a a sixteen point buck walk by. That is my favorite thing. Is he just and he talked about it in his press conference he all just the time. Talks. He genuinely loves people. He just talks to people. And he talked about it, and that's part of his coaching philosophy is he wants to talk to the players as people. And he wants it to be a team and a cohesive environment where everyone's working together towards the same goal. Um, the antithesis of the Hugh effect. Certainly. I'm trying to think I, of other, coach, other coaches in the league who are kind of like off the beaten path. Bill Belichick. Yeah. In a, in in a, a much different, different way. way, yes. <laughs> uh, but, but he is. Pete, Pete Carroll is like pretty far off the beaten path. He's a like huge a like typical coach, head coach. Like, yeah. I mean, Sean Payton is not a normal guy. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think there's a, a lot of different ways you can be successful being an NFL head coach, and it's about finding your own way. But I just lo- like he mentioned it about. 10 times and I'm not exaggerating in this press conference that he's just going to be who he is and nothing else. I got a, I I don't know where I was reading it. It might've been a tweet. It might've been a story. It's something that came up today. And apparently when he got the call from Bill Parcells, when he had been, you know, a position coach at Mississippi state and he got the interview, apparently he had, you know, stayed up all night the night before prepping for the interview and had, brought like a jacket and a button up, but didn't bring a tie. And like, he remembered either like one of his previous coaches or his dad or somebody had told him, you always wear a tie to an interview. And so like, he had to stop in like the, in like a gift shop to buy a tie. And this like quoted that what, what he, paid, he paid $48 for a tie. Oh, it was in the athletic article that I was reading. That's where this came from. Um, he paid forty eight dollars in nineteen ninety six. Yeah, for oh a for a Cowboys tie. Yeah, for a Cowboys tie, or it might not have been a Cowboys tie. It was a blue tie. And um, the first thing that uh, Bill Parcells told him when he walked in was, "Take that tie off. We don't wear ties around here." And <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like, been such a great little nugget. And damn, I just, I hope I kept the tags on it. And I just feel like that um, you see him now, like just not giving a crap. The yeah. stories all yeah. came out today about how he wanted to wear his hoodie because it was Bill Parcells, and right. he told him to take the take yeah. the damn tie off. Yeah, <laughs> that is hilarious, and it's hilarious that he was wearing a suit um, in the press conference, and he was wearing a tie. It was nice. It was a brown suit, orange tie, um, and he was wearing a baseball cap, a baseball cap. 
in a suit is one of the strangest looking things ever. I think it was he, his little form of you know rioting, rebellion, rebellion. I, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen him not in a hat. He's bald, right? We think. I think I, that's so. a good question. I, I, Plausible deniability. Yeah, I think he's bald. Bruce Arians wore a hat in his press conference. They're, they they worked They're, together many years. I don't think I've ever seen Bruce Arians not wearing that little like kangle. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he he was just undeniably himself and undeniably honest in that press conference. Which honestly, he, he reminds me of Bruce Arians. Like, and uh, it makes sense because they've worked together. But yeah. like, their personality is just a little different. Yep. He, he was like, "I'm just so glad that my uh, I, I I got to say everything that I wanted to say in in the interview, and that um, my daughter showed me how to do the PowerPoint." <laughs> Bennett and Camden. Bennett, if, if, if my you were ever questioning Bennett if he's from Alabama, <laughs> his daughter's names are Bennett and Camden. Oh, it's fantastic. So good. Um, yeah, it's great. So I, I'm excited about Freddie Kitchen. He is going to be completely different, but he's proven that he is capable of unifying this team. Um, and and the biggest question I had results. was what is the rest of the staff going to look like? Because just Freddie Kitchen's like driving this ship like wasn't going to do it for me. But Freddie Kitchens with the right pieces in place underneath him was going to get me really excited. And, and we are there. Yeah, now. he he like, needed he needed somebody to be the lead PowerPoint artist. Yes. <laughs> and, and and we've been talking about the fact that we want an experienced veteran coach as our defensive coordinator. Somebody who's been a head coach before and we got that with Steve Wilkes. We, bar- well, we not barely not got that. I wouldn't say veteran, but yes. someone who has been a head coach before. Technically. Technically. <laughs> a whole season. A full season. Full season. And he drove his team right to the number 1 pick in the draft. <laughs> it's very brownsy. Well, I wouldn't say that it was necessarily the defense's fault. But he was around that Carolina team. That is very defense oriented. Well, he's I mean, the under o- Ron Rivera as the secondary coach, and then arose to the defensive coordinator position. Like I feel great about his philosophy on defense and like his upbringing in the NFL and his experience so far as a defensive coordinator. But well, it is true that he did have the only one year as a head coach, and he also only had one year as a defensive D coordinator. coordinator. Yeah. One of my favorite things about him that I read was whenever he was in Carolina, he ran a 4-3. But then whenever he came to um, the Cardinals, they were running a 3-4. And he was super personnel-oriented, and he was like, well, I'm not going to switch because we don't have the personnel for it, so I'm going to figure out how to run a 3-4, and I'm going to ru- try to figure out how to run it effectively, yeah. um, which is definitely what Freddie does and is the exact culture that I want our coaching staff to have. And I would argue that his personnel... Okay, so if you just look at the last two seasons, so his season as defensive coordinator in Carolina, and then this past year in Arizona, the personnel he's acquiring in Cleveland is far superior to either of those. Definitely uh, definitely Arizona. So, so in Carolina, he had Josh, he had Josh Norman. He no, he had, didn't. Two seasons ago, Josh Norman was still was in Washington. Was he? Yes. This is this was the end of Josh Norman's second season in Washington. Okay. But he had Keekley. That D line is pretty good. It's okay. There's no like star pass rusher. Thomas Davis is pretty good. Secondaries. Captain Munderland. Pretty crappy. The captain. 
I feel quite confident in saying that the Browns. Yeah, uh, I mean, you're probably better. right. You're probably right. So, so I'm excited to see what that's going to look like. Is basically what I'm saying. It'll be interesting to see to see how he does in in a normal situation. I I would be really excited for to bring Steve Wilkes in to be our D coordinator. Um, I like I like the pedigree. I like the um, tradition that he kind of rose through the coaching ranks in. Um, taking after Sean McDermott. Sean McDermott's like a freaking wizard. I don't know how he manages to win games with the Buffalo Bills. So. Um, no kidding. If, if he can bring a little bit of that magic to us, that's great. This is the only hire, though, that I'm like, we kind of needed somebody who brought vast experience to it. And he's a good hire, but he doesn't bring the vast experience. I think I would have I preferred Pagano simply because of the experience or somebody else who had. But look at how much better the Colts' defense is this year than it was when Pagano was there. Well, it's been a few years since Pagano was there. But their defense was not good whenever Pagano was there. He also wasn't coaching it. He was the head coach. I mean, yeah, but he was the head coach who has a defensive mind, so he should be responsible for how the defense plays. So I, I wanted the experience, too. But I also think that like experience isn't everything, and sometimes experience works to the detriment of the people on the coaching staff. If you're just trying to do things as they've always been, I think it's beneficial to have a bunch of people who are open-minded and are going to work together to get the job done. I feel pretty good about Wilkes. And one thing I really like about that situation is that Freddie Kitchens needs consistency on the defensive side of the ball, and he needs somebody that has the experience to be able to own that side of the ball. I think we got that, and maybe we didn't get the same level of experience that maybe would have been ideal, and that's the point you're trying to make, Matthew. But I think what we did get is a guy that's going to be there for a while because he just went and was a head coach, and that's, he kind of yeah, sucked. That is he's, very true. And he kind of sucked. So like he's, he's not going to get head coaching he's interviews. He's got about four years of like image reconciliation for people. People got to yeah. forget. Yeah, it's going to take a little while till he's in that conversation again. And mm. I think the Browns are going to be in contention. Like I think we're going to have a chance to hold on to this guy for a decent while. That's actually something that I haven't thought about. Because if Freddie is coaching or calling all the offensive plays, we can shuffle through offensive coordinators, and it's yes. not going to make that big of a difference. But yeah. to have some stability as a def- at a defensive coordinator 2020, position, Ryan Lindley will be your offensive yeah. coordinator. <laughs> That's fine. It wouldn't shock me at all. <laughs> That's fine. The... Hopefully we are the new <coughs> Rams where if anyone's even talked to Freddie Kitchens once or made eye contact, then they're going to be a head coaching candidate. Jim Dre, <laughs> head coach. I mean, I talked about this. Oh, man. The, I, I do love that we hired Freddie Kitchens. I'm going back to all this. Like Some of the most successful coaches in the NFL are, were like scoffed at whenever they were hired. And the coaches that we've been the most excited about are the ones that were given unanimous like praise. Hugh Jackson? Yes. But but this one's also like getting praise, right? It is. Like, it's mixed reviews. It's not like anybody's out there. People are high in the brand. I mean, right who now. should we have hired? Mike McCarthy? That's the thing. There's no like, other. Nobody's name really I... like carrying that torch. Yeah. No, also, LOL, Mike McCarthy. Coming out and saying the Jets is the only job you're interested in, and the next day the Jets hire somebody else. Yeah, <laughs> way to really misplay your hand, bud. <laughs> I wouldn't want Mike McCarthy. 
If I was the Jets. No, I don't know. Maybe when the next when the wave of um, Sean McVay lookalikes fails, like McCarthy, it's he going will have to fail. A, have a, a certain shine to him. Well, can we can we talk? I mean, I know this is a podcast about the Browns coaches, but the Bengals are supposed to be hiring Zach Taylor. Oh, I'm excited. I am pumped. <laughs> I, I are you kidding me? The only thing that would have been better was Hugh, Hugh Jackson. Jackson. Yeah, and that's what they were trying to get away from. They were just trying to get away from Hugh Jackson. Anything besides Hugh was going to be a success. Zach Taylor hasn't even called plays in the NFL. In the NFL, but last time he called plays was when he was the University of Cincinnati. Bearcats and they weren't that good. They, I think they ranked like around the 100th total offense in NCAA. Brutal. When you type in, well, it's probably, it's probably. A oh, and I say last time that was two years ago. Like that wasn't like ages ago when he called plays at the college level. He came over with McVeigh. But still, it's such a joke. Wasn't he the interim offensive coordinator for the Dolphins? When Mike Sherman was there? He might have been. I don't know his full history. I just know that he doesn't have a heck of a lot of experience, and he's quite young. Yeah, good good for Zach Taylor. He's like 35. He was undrafted in 2007. Yeah. Like if Out of he, Nebraska. If he was a good player, he'd still be in the league. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, good for him. That's impressive. So do you think I was just, I was thinking we were gonna talk go ahead, Mark. Do you do you think they just hired him because like people in Cincinnati would be like, Oh yeah, I know that name. Yeah, that's a good hire. Like that but yeah, do that'll, they that'll know that do. name? Well he was the head coach of the Bearcats. So. No, he was the no, offensive, offensive coordinator for one year. Coach. Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe they don't. That was two years ago. Yeah. It's crazy. That's that is crazy. So so the Bengals no, don't like, have a lot of prospects right now. The Steelers are not looking rosy. Oh, no. They've had internal and, struggles the entire I mean, year. And the Ravens. Obviously, Le'Veon Bell's gone, right, after everything that happened this year. Antonio Brown is as good as gone. I mean, the Roonies came out and said it this week that they yeah, basically expect him to not be on the team. It'd be hard to... That, that's as good as trading him. Yeah. Like, it'd be hard to see him on the roster starting next year. Okay, so now your big three is left as just an aging Big Ben and arguably the most valuable coach on your staff, Mike Munchak, just got hired as the offensive line coach in Denver. What, what did Denver coup. give him? I don't know, but I thought he was going to get the OC job when I first saw that all of those reports because like, why would you take a lateral move to go to Denver when you were in Pittsburgh? But like I don't know if that's a sign that Pittsburgh is a sinking ship and I want to get the heck out of there or what. But it sounds like did from what get, I've seen, this just like came out today. Did he get an assistant head coach title? Did they might have thrown a ton of money at him, which get, is what teams yeah. should do for offensive line coaches, in my personal opinion. Like Offensive line coaches are as valuable as any they kinda assistant get, on They the kind of get pigeonholed, too. It's like once you're an elite offensive line coach, like... Are you really going to go call plays as an OC? But, I mean, for years before Munchak came to Pittsburgh, they struggled on the offensive line. And since he's been there, granted, they've, like, dedicated resources in the draft to, like, offensive line, but they've been solid. Like, some of the players that they have that are, like, 
you consider like a really good offensive lineman now, like a Marcus Gilbert. Like he's a, like a sixth round pick. He like was an afterthought in the draft. Absolutely. Yeah. And because he had good coaching at, with Munchak, like became a very good tackle in the NFL. Well, it'll be interesting to see what he does in Denver because they, they could use all the coaching they can get on the offensive line. Yeah. What sort of value do you think people will give up for Antonio Brown with that contract attached to him? Well, so many of the guaranteed dollars are Pittsburgh's to fulfill. So it's actually not very much guaranteed dollars. It's three years and $39 million. It's very – for how good he is – like it's very little to actually have to like give to Antonio Brown over the next three years. They restructured the contract a few times where that he got a bunch of guaranteed money that was like like on the front end. The oh. bonus. So if and they so trade him, they still have to give him all the, the guaranteed Steelers money. The Steelers are on the hook year, for a bunch. And per then year, it's not ridiculous. Whoever he goes to doesn't have very much left on, that they're going to be on the hook for. Hmm. I think they'll get a first round pick. I would be shocked if they didn't get a first round pick. Yeah. I mean, after Amar, I mean, Amari Cowboys should have waited. Cowboys are screwed. <laughs> the only way that Cowboys trade would have worked is if the Cowboys won the Super Bowl this year. And now they're like having to sleep in the bed that they made. It's rough. What if the Cowboys traded Amari Cooper for Antonio, Antonio Brown. Brown straight up? Oh, that would be a great trade for both sides. I think it would be a great trade for both sides. I don't know that Pittsburgh would do it because they've got to pay Amari Cooper. Um, and Antonio Brown in this situation yeah, that Michael maybe. just laid out. Um, I want the Browns to do that with Jarvis Landry. But just, there's no way the Steelers will ever trade Jarvis the, Landry for Antonio division. Brown yeah. straight up. You would never do it in the division. No, late, but er, like, that would be an ideal situation. In my Browns opinion. go into the NFC. Three-way trade. Jarvis Landry, Amari Cooper, and Antonio Brown. No, we I, get Amari Cooper. Steelers get Jarvis Landry. and Dallas. I thought about this, actually. <laughs> I thought about this. What if John Dorsey called Chris Ballard? They're like super tight, right? Yeah. And what if he's like, Chris, trade for Antonio Brown, and I will give you whatever. And they work the deal behind the – like the Browns that's, screwing Pittsburgh doesn't matter, that's, right? That's Cause like, well, they're never going to work. They're never going to work that's together. It's got to be against NFL rules somehow. <laughs> like why does this not work? Like why couldn't you do a deal like that? Where you work at like a separate separate trades. Yeah, you say whatever you have to pay, I'll just put like ten percent on top, and yeah, we'll work out the compensation and figure it out. Well, the well part of the thing is the Colts have no incentive to. I mean, I think if they could negotiate a trade for Brown, they would keep him. Yeah. Oh, I would think so. They're in the position to pay. Yeah, they've got as much cap room I as I wonder anybody. if Don't they go put that in the contract whenever there's a trade Brown. in the agreement that you can't immediately trade the player. Well, I think there is like, also that. There is a time window, I think. Like, um, I think it's like a few months or something. Yeah. We got a few months. Anyways, <laughs> I was thinking about this because I was like, how, well, how could we figure out a way to get Antonio Brown here? Um, anyways, it's like well, it's so never going to happen, but I, it was worth thinking about. Well, it's so interesting with like, all these wide receivers, because there's him, and then there's Odo Beckham Jr., who there's questions about. I don't know if they're actually going to pull the trigger, but there's a potential there. Two of the top receive, top five receivers in the NFL could be on the trade market, which would drive the value down if there's two. The Antonio Brown is, like, honestly a good deal. 
Like, if you assume... I think he's going to go to the 49ers. He, he or Oakland. Oakland has so many first-round picks. But Oakland's not in this winning phase yet. Oh, Oakland's always in the winning. In, in well, that, they in, weren't this year. No, no, they're always in like the the being aggressive, trying to make that. Move. And Antonio Brown doesn't have any say over where he goes. Well, no, because right. because he's locked into a deal. But I don't think John Gruden is always into the being like right. From what he's shown, he is not aggressive. Oh no, John Gruden's like unbelievably aggressive. He just He's trading away all his best players. He was trying to shop Derek Carr. No, that's because him being in control and having the power is like He's obviously an aggressive trumps everything else. He's obviously an aggressive personality. John Gruden is aggressive, but he is not like this year he was not aggressive in acquiring new players. He was shopping away all of his good players he was aggressive to get picks. In acquiring the older the first proven players. <laughs> like Jordy Nelson. The exact opposite of what well, I think I would do. Yeah. So where where do you think is the most interesting landing spot for Brown? I would love to see him in New Orleans. I'm kind of mad now that New Orleans traded their first round pick this coming year for Davenport last year in the draft because that would be a fun spot to see Michael Thomas and Antonio Brown on opposite sides of each other with Alvin Kamara in the backfield and Drew Brees throwing them the ball. Well, that would be absurd. Yeah, that's not. That I don't know fair. how they could make that it happen. Really, wouldn't be fair. Uh, I actually think San Francisco would be a pretty interesting spot for him to be. Like a healthy Jimmy G coming back. They've got a bunch of resources to throw at, you know, free agents and stuff in the offseason. Like they definitely had a poor season this year. Don't write off Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins was like the fourth best quarterback in the league over the second half of the season. Um, Which is crazy because that team was terrible. um, George Kittle's the man. Yeah, George Kittle is the truth. And Kyle Shanahan they need is a, also the man. They need a running back they can count on, and I think they need a little more stability in the offensive line. You don't think but Matt they, Burita's their guy? Well, they've got McKinnon, too, who hurt it. That's hurt, true. Like, That's true. I completely, like, literally, when I made that comment, I completely forgot about Jarek McKinnon, who they paid all that money to. So I, think, I honestly think the most likely landing spot will be pretty interesting. Okay, so we haven't talked about Todd Munkin at all. I want to talk about that. We talked about Steve Wilkes, but yeah. I want to shift to the offensive side of the ball. So we hired Todd Munkin as our offensive coordinator. Um, he came out of Tampa Bay. Um, Tampa Bay had a really, really good year last year. Um, they were number three in the NFL in total yards. They were what in DVOA? What was Todd Munkin's? 12. Like 12 in DVOA for offense. Um, he's not going to be calling plays. Freddie's still going to be calling plays. Freddie made that clear in the press conference, but He's still going to be true offensive coordinator. Freddie also made that clear. I don't know what that means, but what, what do you guys think about yeah. Todd Munkin? What is an offensive coordinator? I mean, what what is the difference between that and like a quality control coach? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't really no, know. I, I, I think there is so many things as a head coach you have to handle that you cannot be doing all of the game planning I mean, and like everything that happens. Certainly there are offensive coaching meetings that like Todd Munkin will be running and like yes. heading the directive the yeah. direction of the, the offense and whatnot. Um, I'm actually surprised he came to Cleveland because my thoughts he's, exactly. he was one of the hotter offensive coaching candidates, was interviewing for head coaching jobs, interviewed in Cincinnati, interviewed with the Jets. I think he interviewed somewhere else too, I forgot. Um, was in contention for, for those jobs. People thought he was going to get the Jets job. And so to come here to s- Cleveland where he's not even going to be co- calling plays, as an offensive coordinator, is 
it's kind of a coup for the Browns. Well, if our offense looks anything like it did the last eight games of the season, next year he's going to be able to go wherever he wants to. Yeah, I think that if you're of Todd all Monken, the jobs, that's he's going to have his pick. I think if you're Todd Monken, like, okay, so you missed out on the head coaching jobs that you interviewed for, even though everyone says that he was impressive and, like, that he did well. He showed when, well. When I read that when he showed up, people knew he was an alpha. Is the, is the quote that I saw. That's so such common verbiage in like NFL, NFL like, head coach, NFL so pro or and players. Are so messed and up. Players. That's funny. He's an that alpha. is like not what you would say about. Does Freddie anybody Kitchens. ever report that like we knew that he was um, a beta? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we we knew without a doubt. He was a beta. You could just tell when he walked in the room. You could just walk all over him. <laughs> No, uh, that's great. Well, the greatest real McAdoo, Todd, a real yeah, beta. <laughs> yeah, Todd Monken's one of the most aggressive play callers in the league. I mean, he comes from the air raid offense. It was an offensive coordinator at Oklahoma State. He was the one who got Brandon Whedon drafted in the first round. Um, he was the most aggressive play caller in the league. Jordan Zerm tweeted something about this today, or um, the quote. Oh, about how aggressive about he was. how aggressive he was. I think it was on a like a per play basis. He has um, this awesome quote that kept, kept being floated around too, where he talked about he was like, "My biggest thing with offense is like, why would I care about three yard plays? Like we have to be getting at least five yards on every play. Like, 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 like three yards matters does not matter to me at all. Yeah." What what I, I it works for me as a fan. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day, when I look at Freddie Kitchens and Todd Monken, and I just could we have picked two people that fit better with Baker Mayfield's like offensive slash just life philosophy? No, I love the aggressiveness. I love the melding. So Freddie Kitchens has this great background in the NFL, closely tied with Arians and like some you know, good head coaches and even showed some of this like downfield, like attack and being very aggressive. So it's like elements of what you've seen in the air raid, but Todd Monken has, has been like, is a chief disciple of that sort of offense. And so I like that they're going to be able to complement each other a little bit. They're, they're not divergent philosophies in any way. They complement one another. And I like that there's going to be a varied amount of experience in that room coming together and it is going to meld quite perfectly actually with Baker Mayfield because a lot of those same elements are exactly what Oklahoma runs. And so I think all of it makes sense together. The last thing I wanted in our offensive coaching room was like everyone thinking the exact same way. And I think we got enough divergent thoughts to like, potentially create something really special. And we also have a head coach who clearly has shown the interest in listening to other people's opinions from the way that he called the offense these last eight games. He said yep. he was like, he would listen to the players. If they had a problem with what was going on, he wanted them to tell him, yep. which is fantastic. Oh, this was a thing that I, we haven't talked about, about the press conference. So Freddie Kitchens made the comment about talking about how he likes to listen to other people's ideas, and then he throws them around and like actually like looks into it to see if like it makes sense and makes an educated decision. He gave the media credit for giving him the wishbone idea. And then he was like, <laughs> then he took it to his meeting room 
and they started talking about it and they all looked at him like he was crazy and then they like actually flushed it out and we're like yeah let's do it and then they did it and it's like so just fantastic running the wishbone yeah what game was that it was just one game that we did it. It was one of his first ones. So I think it was his second game. So it wasn't Kansas City. It was whatever the game was after that. Maybe Cincinnati? Can't remember. Just That's show, hilarious. Shut up. You know what I want to do? Let's run an offense from the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> and then gives credit to the media in his press conference. Yeah. That's hilarious. So we were talking about Monken. Yeah. Monken, I think it is probably fairly likely that if next season goes even decently well, that he will get opportunities to take a head coaching job yeah. elsewhere. Right. What, I think that's for sure. That's what, gotta be what jobs plan. are going to be available next season. Well, there's seven or eight available every single year. So yeah. it's like impossible to predict at this point. And like, then you can decide, pick and choose where you think is the best opportunity. So if you're successful, but who knows the funny thing for me to project is like, what is the, f- flavor of the week gonna be next year like that's the part that's like impossible to project right like all of these coaches these young like offensive minds could fall on their faces how about and how about 54 year old how about freddie kitchen's disciples so it's impossible to project what the like the pool of coaching candidates is going to be next year or which teams are going to need them i think they're just going to go younger they're they're just going to like pluck straight quarterbacks from existing NFL rosters. I think it depends. It depends on how these guys do. Like so many of these coaches are so young and are getting like these yeah. opportunities. I think Blaine Gabbert's going to be a head coach in the league <laughs> next year. I don't think Blaine Gabbert's smart enough to be like even thought about as a coach anywhere. Hey, I don't think Blaine Gabbert was smart enough to stick around the league all this time, but he's proved us all wrong. All right, here's my question for you. Why do you think Bruce Arians didn't want to retain Munkin? On his staff. Like, I just don't understand that. With how well he produced, how hot of a commodity is, why would Bruce Arians not want to keep him there in Tampa Bay? I, mean, I just like, that is my only pause. Like, because I like Bruce Arians. I respect him as a decision maker, and I know Freddie Kitchen does too. It's just interesting to me to go with Byron Leftwich instead. And that's why I asked you that question before. I didn't mm-hmm. know who he went with. It's just interesting to me that he wouldn't I, keep I him. think there's two things. Um, when you're Bruce Arians, you're you're coming with a very distinct philosophy. I think you've had success, and you're 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 bringing that to Tampa. But also, you're going into that interview, and you're have already have your staff lined up, and you're saying this is who we're gonna bring. And you've got Todd Monken, who's getting ready to go to a bunch of head coaching interviews. So you would rather come in with your staff and know exactly who it's going to be and have a plan than wait saying? two weeks and see if Todd Monken is going to stick around or if he's going to be a head coach somewhere and then have to scramble to find an offensive coordinator who isn't already taken on somebody else's staff. That too, if you're Bruce Arians, you also have to go into that interview with a plan of succession if you do well. Cause he's already retired as a head coach in the NFL and he's coming back out of retirement, technically, to coach the Bucks, and that's Byron Leftwich. And, and Byron Leftwich has had a lot of buzz, like, and he, Bruce Arians, has been on the record speaking really highly of Byron Leftwich. Which is funny because that is not the type of player I expected Byron Left. Like, 
Like watching I, Byron Leftwich, he was like big and like physical. But he for never the most he part. was ne- he never seemed unintelligent in the way that you know some quarterbacks just rely on their physical like abilities. Like, I see Byron Leftwich is like fat Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, he can't run though. Byron Leftwich could never run. He was very mobile. That's yeah. why he's yeah, very he's fat. mobile. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fat. Okay. He he prepares well. You know he knows no, the game, but he could throw it deep, and that's he the had difference. A cannon. It, that was the thing. Yeah, he had like a crazy fair. arm, and that he, he could throw it deep, and that's what he was like. He's like Roethlisberger, just like not yeah quite as good. Yeah, Roethlisberger, but not as good in the pocket. Yeah, not as good at navigating the pocket. Yeah, both fat. Yep. No, but I also think, especially unique to Tampa. Them coming off the the um, dirt cutter hire, they had their offensive coordinator that was hot, and they brought him on to be the head coach. And then if Bruce Arians comes into that interview and is like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna keep the same offensive coordinator," like there's just a little bit of I think they're ready for something new because the last thing didn't work. And whether they should have or shouldn't have, Todd Monken wasn't gonna get the interview for that head coaching job after they like hired Cutter from that same spot and it didn't work out. Mm, yeah, that's fair. You know, like sell that to your fan base. Oh yeah. We promoted the OC last time and now we're going to do it again and it didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. That's very fair. All Anyways, right. I never, to reiterate what you said before, I, when I found out we were hiring, we were interviewing Monken, I was thrilled. And then I immediately talked myself out of it because it didn't seem to line up that it could possibly happen. So when it actually came through, I was thrilled. And I think it's evidence of where the Browns are as an organization right now. It's what you said, Mark, about this is the best spot to be. Like if he's looking at the different OC openings that are out there, like this is the best opportunity for success that's going to put him in position to potentially get a head coaching job. Like when have we ever been able to say that? Like that's never been the case for the Cleveland Browns. So it is nice to see this being the desired destination. And it's not just going to be for coaches. It's going to be for free agents, too. You would hope. You would hope. I'm just so excited to not pay a premium for free agents because they have to move to Cleveland. (laughs) They still have to move to Cleveland. Don't get me wrong. But they'd move to Cleveland and be on a hopefully winning franchise. Um, So... Todd Munkin and Steve Wilkes were not the only new coaches that we brought on staff. Also, our special, new special teams coach, Mike Prefer. I think I'm saying that right. I haven't actually heard it spoken to me, but I'm, I'm going to say Mike Prefer. Um, what do you guys think about that? He's All, better than the anus. Better than the anus. Better than Anus Jones, I, and Mike Prefer would not appreciate the anus. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Oh, man. This, I, don't, I don't know that he's a great special teams coach. And he comes with a little bit of baggage. I don't... Th- this is, like, the least inspiring hire on, on, in my but book. It's, but it's way more but it's exciting also special than Anus teams. Jones. Like, yeah. Anus was clearly the worst for years and years. I don't know <laughs> how we hired him. I went back and looked at his record. Oh, he ran horrendous. 30, 30 and above every single year he's been a special teams coach. And we hired Anus Jones. Yeah. And... Now, Hugh Jackson. Hired. Hugh Jackson. Yes. Well, yeah, I would like to not take credit for that. Yeah. Um, and so now we have a middle of the road special teams coach, which is a huge improvement. Yep. And if I think special- they were like 
12th in DVOA <clears throat> last year, and they've kind of like floated the around the teens. Yeah, the last few years for the Vikings special teams. Yeah, so which is uh, a vast improvement from 32nd, which we ranked this year. So, Michael, you were telling me Prefer apparently has a very astute um, special teams background. So I, I just think this is astounding that his father was a special teams coach in the NFL for many years. He has put together a career. I think it's like some. It's over ten years in the NFL as a special teams coach. Yeah, he's he started since two thousand two, an assistant special teams coach. Yes, in two thousand two with the Jacksonville. So he's been coaching special teams in the NFL for sixteen years, and now his son is the special teams coach at the University of Minnesota. His son, Mike Prefer Jr., is a special teams coach. So what you're telling me right now is he's a purebred. (laughs) <laughs> absolutely <laughs> through and through like it he's is a, all they talk about he is a thorough in the prefer household a, is blocking schemes <laughs> and kick coverage you, so here's stay my question stay in your lanes <laughs> stay in your lanes how do you ju- I mean obviously Anus Jones was a terrible special teams coach our special teams was terrible anymore in the modern NFL how do you judge a special teams coach like I'm not judging him on like if the kicker's any special, good. Greg Joseph makes or misses a kick. It's only punts, I think. It's like only coverage. punt coverage, I think, is like the only measurable statistic that you really want your special teams coach to produce in. Punt, punt you coverage. would say kick coverage too, but kicks like there's hardly any coverage these days. Yeah, like kickoffs all, doesn't even yeah. it doesn't even happen. And so I it's think like being able to get the punt off and then and not have tackle and not have penalties yeah. on whenever you're returning a punt. If yeah. you get if your yardage, gunners don't hold, if your gunners don't hold, and you don't get when you get yardage, it doesn't get called back. I think it's only about punts, honestly. And blocked kicks is probably a big thing. Blocks block punts is probably a big thing. It just doesn't happen very often. Yeah, like you could get one a season, and like that's. But, but you it, know what does happen often is the holding on the punt. We that happened yeah. to us so many times, and it's a huge amount of yards. That it's is definitely that is definitely the number one thing you would have to judge them on. And then it's like a preparedness for all of the other like weird things that could be, you know, like the onside kicks and like all that other like stuff. I guess. Like, did you see? But are the special Rams? teams coaches even like calling the special teams plays? Like, no, like they're not you... calling them, but they're preparing the team for them. It's okay. the it's the coaching in the middle so, of like, the week if you're, prepping the if team. You're, for everything. If you're like in game situation, is the special teams coach being like, all right, we're gonna like return left? Or like punt safe, or is he making those yeah, calls, or I is think that he, coming from Freddie Kitchens? I think he makes those calls, but Freddie Kitchens decides when we do like onside kicks. No, and I disagree. Goes for four. I think the head coach go, makes all goes but, on fourth down. But like he's not. Think, no, think no, back no, to the, the national coach championship is not game. Making the call if we're doing punt to the left or to the right. No, but is think there, about think about I the national championship so. game when Alabama went for that awful fake field goal, right. and Clemson was in like their punt safe like base defense. If, if we're in that situation, is Prefer calling punt safe or is Kitchens calling punt safe? No. I, I think it's Prefer. Or, no, I, or I does it go Prefer. through two levels? Is it like Kitchens is calling safer return and then Prefer's calling like the specifics of the return? Maybe. I would be lying to you if I said I knew, but I really think it's the special teams coach that makes those. Yeah, what, else, what else are they doing game day? Yes, exactly. Like, like if they're not doing that, what are they doing on the sideline? All I will home. say, all I will say, is it there is plenty of evidence that 
focus on special teams makes a big difference in the outcome of football games. Urban Meyer. Yeah, that's the reason Urban Meyer was a good head coach. Because he coached the special teams. And, like, (laughs) they were phenomenal because he, like, was all over top of them. They were phenomenal. But a special teams coach has nothing to do with how the kicker plays, which is the most important special teams action in a game. It's true. I would I would just hire a series of former kickers and sports psychologists to run my special teams. Like Adam, I just get no, my kicker in the right of, mindset. You, I don't know. I think you need more of like a like a hype guy. No, I don't want my kicker coach. hyped. No, no, but I want my kicker, no, kicker, kicker okay, right no, in the right mindset. No, but you need a hype guy to have the effort that you need to cover cover kicks. No, drugs can give you that. <laughs> It's fun. But the effort and discipline, <laughs> the effort poppers. and discipline combination is probably not easy to like accomplish. And I think that's kind of the balance that the special teams coach has to kind of figure out. So yeah. prefer's going to bring it. Prefer's going to bring it. Well, I mean, I the think prefer smoking the prefer. I think it's very important to focus on the special teams. I'm glad we got prefer instead of anus. Um one of the thing that I think is really funny is that um Nick Saban is not a big fan of special teams. He didn't like give scholarships to kickers up until whenever Auburn returned that kick all the way back for a touchdown to it's lose the, the only Iron like Bowl. black mark on Nick Saban's like tenure as the coach at Alabama is they've had horrible kickers the entire time he's been because there. Nick Saban didn't give him scholarships because no. he didn't think they were no important. they had that kid out of Eastern Europe Griffin whatever who was like adopted Nine, Europe. number ninety nine yeah well uh, maybe they gave him a scholarship he was I don't pretty know. good the kid this past year. Sucked balls. But like who do you think who do you think is the don't, number don't one? Don't tell Todd Prefer. <laughs> <laughs> who do you think is the number one leading scorer all time in the NFL? Well, it's a kicker. Oh, well, it's sure. like Morton Anderson. Or no, it's Adam Vinatieri now. It's Adam Vinatieri. Yeah. Score the most points. It's very yeah. important. Oh, Nick no Saban's doubt. an idiot. You just look at the numbers. Yeah. Over a long period of time, your kicker is going to make the biggest difference. <clears throat> I just right. like calling Nick Saban an idiot. All right, so there's a lot of other um, new head coaching. Or Let's run not through head these coaching. guys quick. I'll run through these guys quick, and then you guys uh, hit on whoever you want to. So um, gonna start at the bottom and then work our way up. So Jim Dre is our offensive quality, a new offensive quality control coach. Tyler Tettleson, another offensive quality control coach. Stump Mitchell, new running back game coordinator. Um, James Campin is our new O line coach. R.I.P. Bob. Hope your ankle's doing all right. And Ryan Lindley is our new quarterback coach. And Jody Wright is a new a special assistant to the head coach. Who stands out to you guys? Who's, who's filling out our defensive staff? Or that's well, I think still this is to be, be determined. I think they okay. literally like running up to the press conference. Or is conference it literally today. just Steve Wilkes nope. <laughs> is doing all of the defensive work? No, my sense is that they were like working on the Steve Wilkes deal like right up until this announcement today. And that Steve... Steve Wilkes will be bringing in his people. We also retain Clyde Simmons. We have not fired Clyde Simmons, who was our defensive line coach. And Dwayne something or another was our defensive, our backs, defensive coach. backs coach. Yeah, And he's still around. I get the sense that Steve Wilkes will bring in his own defensive backs coach because that's the side of the ball that he's coached historically. But that's all to be determined, I think, on the defensive side of the ball. On the offensive side, it is it's interesting set. to me that it is set and that none of these guys are tied to Monken. Like, these are, like, Freddie Kitchens guys, and then Monken's the offensive coordinator. Like, the whole thing's, like, that's an interesting setup right there. But I like 
the diversity. You, that I mean, we you have you the say they're Freddie Kitchens guys, but we've got the assistant head coach now or associate head coach coming in. He's James more of a Dorsey is coming from the Packers, and it's that's Dorsey Highsmith Elliot Wolf all the way. Which He's been I, with the Packers his entire career. Okay, but I can look at each one of these and like get really excited and reason through why like I'm really excited about each of them. So to me, aside from the coordinators. Like, that offensive line coach is the most important. And it's everything I was talking about with Munchak and the difference that he's made in Pittsburgh. Like, as much as I liked Bob Wiley and I was amused by Bob Wiley, I'm not so sure that he's really that great of an offensive line coach. I think he's, like, a middle-of-the-road type offensive line coach. Is you know not what made do me not to get feel him good fired. about Bob Wiley? What? When Joe Thomas kept talking about how great of a coach Bob Wiley was. Because he kept saying the same thing about Hugh Jackson. Jackson. Yeah, Joe Thomas just likes people who are like nice. Joe Thomas isn't the right person. He's not a. Cr- he's, he's never going to be critical of someone. And Joe Thomas is like the guy. That's is, why he's going to be perfect on TV in the TV booth. He's the highest caliber athlete and like offensive tackle that's played the game. And so he never needed a top coach to like bring the best out of him. He needed somebody that he could get along with. And so yeah. Hugh Jackson and, you know, Bob Wiley are guys that he can get along with and like are going to see eye to eye with him and appreciate what he does. Hugh Jackson. So has of course to be. he likes them. Of course he likes them. But he's not going to the thing that you want out of your offensive line coach is to get value out of undervalued players. So late round draft picks that are coming into the system and are getting coached up and being able to perform at a level that is not going to bring the team down. And that's what you see from the top, the top teams in the NFL. Like Dante Isn't Starnecchia. Isn't that what you want out of every single like position coach? Yes, but I think it's more important and more pronounced at offensive line than anywhere else. And so like Dante Starnecchia is the offensive line coach in, in uh, New England. And he retired like five years ago. And their offensive line sucked for like two years. They had one year with another guy, and Belichick fired him. And then they had another year with another guy, and then he begged Starnecchia to come back. And he came back, and they've been crushing it in the last like three years. With garbage players. With garbage players. You're absolutely right. And it gives them the ability to move on from a player like a Nate Solder that is like a fine tackle. But is definitely not deserving of the sixteen million per year that the Giants are paying him. Yeah. Right? And then you've got Mike Munchak, who turned a college wide receiver into the best left tackle in yeah. the league. Andre Villanueva, unbelievable, <laughs> unfreaking believable. Like, but that is like insane value. And you, I don't know that we have that. Campen is like that level of an offensive line coach. But, but you can look good. at the players that he's developed in the last. 15 years he's been in Green Bay, and there's a lot of success stories. Like David Bakhtiari had to get thrown in to that left tackle spot as a rookie, and he was unheralded, like late round draft pick, and he got thrown in there, and everyone was questioning what was going to happen, and now he's arguably the best left tackle in the entire NFL. Josh Sitton was a fourth round pick at a UCF and played really good for the Packers until they let him go in free agency. So many stories of these late round draft picks. And so the thing that makes me excited about having camp in there, Treader is Treader. Oh, JC Treader is going to be all about it. And I mean, that's what basically what the entire offensive line in green Bay is made of is later round draft picks 
that got developed into like good quality starters in the NFL. No, I'm ex- I'm excited about camp and I'm excited. An offensive line coach, once you have him, where's he going? Like, unless he gets a head coaching offer, which happens every once in a while where a, a guy who's kind of like one of those dead end position coaches is respected enough around the league to get a head coaching offer. I don't think, I mean, we talked about this with Munchak. Like that's what happened with Munchak. Yep. He's not going to go be an OC somewhere. Like, Campen's going to be around for a long time. He was in Green right now. He was I mean, in Green Bay for twelve years. Yeah, if he could finish his career here, he could be here for ten years and retire. He could be our next Bob Wiley. Be great. So the thing that I'm excited about too is just the synergies between our front office and him in having drafted players together and developed them on the oh. field. Like yeah. thinking about the fact that they've worked together to do this and have shown that to be successful over the last 10 years. I mean, between Dorsey and Wolf and Highsmith, like they have history of working together to develop offensive linemen. Right now, we're paying offensive linemen top, top dollar, particularly in the interior of our offensive line, which has been really valuable for us. But the as the future goes on and we have to – pump out money for Miles Garrett and Baker Mayfield and other players as yeah. they earn those contracts. Like we're going to have to take some of those dollars away from the offensive line that we've beefed up at the moment. And that is a great way for us to have value going forward. Yeah. No, that's true. That's going to be great. Um, one of the other pl- coaches we hired, the future head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals in about five years, Tyler Tettleton coming, <laughs> coming straight from, from the New York Jets as the pro personnel intern. He's going to be our offensive quality control coach. But the most interesting thing about Tyler Tettleton, he did play quarterback at the University of Ohio, but he was the grad assistant at Oklahoma when Baker Mayfield was a senior. Ooh. So I don't know. What goes into be hiring an offensive quality control coach? I have no idea. What is an offensive quality control coach? Like, to what level did he just submit his resume and just make his cover letter like a picture of him and Baker Mayfield? <laughs> <laughs> like, because like, like, it wouldn't be a bad move. How do you subtly like say, "Hey, me and Bake <laughs> get along really well," or do you text Baker and be like, "Hey, do you think do you I put can in get a, good a job?" Word for me? Like, how does that work? I know you're being skyped into those interviews. Did we ever talk about that? Well, I think we mentioned it on the pod uh, a week that ago, I two on. weeks ago. Yeah. Okay. How crazy is that, though? To Skype in the quarterback, a player on the team, into the head coaching hire interviews. If that is true, so there's that some, is, there's that some, is there's some reports that, that that may not have happened or may not have happened the way that it was reported. I don't know. But, I mean, great. I, I mean, they, they talked to... In the he Dorsey said he had an exit interview with Baker, like he does with all the players, and they they talked about Kitchens and Williams and and whatnot and and his affinity for for either or both of them or whatnot. Oh but, yeah, for sure. And if he had an affinity for one, I'm sure it was Kitchens. Oh yeah. Oh, they're, I mean, have they're you cut seen from them, the same cloth? Have you they're seen like, them interact? Yeah. I retweeted Just, it from the podcast, I think, but it was this interaction from the podcast Twitter page where. Kitchens walks up and like, like, 
What was like, what was he doing? He like he like, he like scratches up, the under he like scratches the underside of Baker's We're like going beard. Four wide. We're going four yeah. wide or something, and then he walks away, and Baker just leans over to somebody. He's like, "That man, that guy's an idiot." <laughs> just like the epitome of like a perfect sarcastic, just beautiful picture of friendship um, between two individuals. Um, so I'm very excited about that. Um, any other of these names that stand out to you? Stump Mitchell stands out to me. Um, if only because of the beard that he has, it is voluptuous, Perfect. it's gray, it's large, and it commands some authority. It's like if James Harden was like 65. Yeah. But he's a guy that's like a super well-respected running backs coach in the NFL, been around, been a number of teams, played in the NFL. Like you, you mentioned that name in NFL circles and everyone's like, oh yeah, coach, great coach, coach David Johnson in his breakout season. So I love that we have this balance of like a guy like that that has that sort of experience within the NFL and uh, Tyler Tettleton that's been at Oklahoma and seen firsthand like how Lincoln Riley runs things in his kind of offensive systems. Like this is like this wide range and Todd Monken and like all of these guys are going to be bringing different pieces to the table. I like what were we saying? Stump Mitchell. You were asking about the, the Jets running backs. Oh yeah, the Jets running backs. So I mean. I don't know that they did anything crazy last last year. I mean, I'm sure he's a respected head coach, and you don't need your running backs coach to be like an absolute home run. You just need someone who's solid that can coach running backs. Coach so. running backs, right? Yeah. Um, and to be honest, I'm not so sure Nick Chubb needs all that much coaching. He was doing I all right. I think Nick Chubb was born to be a running back, and it's quite natural in a lot of cases. I heard somebody, I don't know if it was Pete or somebody else talking, Pete Smith, talking about how Stump Mitchell is really well-regarded in um, the receiving aspect of running backs. Running backs? Well, I mean, like teaching them receiving very well. Like when he was in Arizona, Bruce Ellington, David Johnson. Yeah. Um, apparently that's kind of his nice. calling card. And so in that sense, like I guess if there was one area of Nick Chubb's game that you would like to see developed in any way, like that would probably be it. Um and so I guess that could be a good thing. But anyways, the guy's highly enough regarded from everything I've heard around the NFL that I feel good about that. Situation. And his name's Stump. Well, is his name Stump? No. And he's got a phenomenal beard. He has a phenomenal beard. But anybody who's confident enough to go by Stump, his, I, his first name is Livonia. <laughs> so, I mean, I'd go by Stump, too. I'm pretty sure. Here's what I want. I want someone who's confident enough to go by Livonia. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, All right, so a lot of names. A lot of names. Was there anyone else that you guys wanted to accent, highlight? What about Ryan Lindley? I Uh, think we knew. The least inspiring person. I mean, but we knew he was going to be the quarterback's coach. It was kind of obvious, right? He got brought on, like, handpicked by Freddie Kitchens to join the staff, basically, to backfill his running back position. And he was a quarterback that he coached. So it was obviously going to be a quarterback. I still want to know the, the... Um, chemistry between Lindley and Drew Stanton because they, they were like they the same played guy. together in Arizona. Yeah, when Lindley was a, like a rookie or the year after his rookie season, and Drew Stanton has so much more experience than Ryan Lindley. He's also making more money. So jokes on Lindley. Right? So we have two quarterback coaches. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing. Though they're kind of in the same boat. It is. It is a funny situation. I completely agree. Like they could switch roles and nobody would be that surprised, right? <laughs> 
one's just preparing to actually maybe have to play yeah and the other one is like purely like watching tape yeah and you know it's like a mccann situation in new york except it's like if oh he's gonna be a head coach in like a year everybody keeps saying that well, it's obvious. Just get get him on the Rams staff as a quality control coach. Oh, he's got good <laughs> hair too. It's like, oh man, they're so good oh, looking. Oh man, that jawline. <laughs> That's an NFL head coach. That's how people are making decisions nowadays. It would seem, except Some, for the Browns. Somebody move him to LA. Freddie does not have the jawline. Not it's, gonna lie. it's under there somewhere. <laughs> Just curvy. It's under there. It's somewhere. not pronounced. Uh, love the guy. Love um, everything about him. Oh, what's the name of the other? Uh, Jody Wright, did you mention him? Yeah, Jody Wright, the special assistant to the head He's coach. an interesting one, and I feel like he's like a comfort zone guy for Freddie Kitchens. Like, they have overlapped at a few different spots, and he's Jody. just got an interesting background. So they were together at Mississippi State back in the 90s, and he was like a personnel guy. But then recently, this last year, Jody Wright was the offensive line coach at UAB, but the three seasons before that, he was the player personnel director for Nick Saban at Alabama. Hmm. So they've got these this like Alabama connection. They coach together at Mississippi State. Like it that just seems, seems that seems like a better job than what he's currently got. Offensive line coach at UAB. No, no player the personnel, player personnel guy for Alabama. That's not a very high level job. I don't know. I don't know what they do. No, that's kind of just like your babysitting player. It's kind of like recruiting. Okay, it's like. Yeah, it's all kinds of different stuff. But it's like it's like front office coaching stuff. Like gotcha. basically getting everything together for the head coach to make sure that the head coach has the information he needs as far as like recruiting and all that sort of stuff. That's my understanding at least. Well that sounds like a My question job. is, what is Condoleezza Rice coaching on this staff? <laughs> um, uh, she she t- must be a defensive coach because it hasn't been announced yet. I mean John Dorsey said over and over how thorough they were. I'm sure she was taken into consideration. She gonna be the linebackers coach? <laughs> Is there a position that she's more ill-equipped to play or coach than the linebackers? Than like defensive tackle, <laughs> <laughs> defensive tackle maybe. <laughs> no, and coach like... actually might be the one position she's most qualified for. Yeah, no, for sure. She is a, as John Couldn't Dorsey would say, yeah. leader of men. Yeah. <laughs> that is what she is. <laughs> maybe, right. She could be a special teams coach. Yeah. I, whenever God they, forbid that you hold when Condoleezza Rice is your special yeah. coach. <laughs> whenever that was like leaked into, and I have no idea what happened there. That was one of the strangest things that's happened in this past season. But whenever that happened and she made a comment on it, she was like, I know I wouldn't run prevent defense. <laughs> <laughs> that was like, she was like, wait, what do I know? All right, prevent defense. Wouldn't do it. People hate that. Hey, that's that's like the most politician answer when she's talking super about. She's a knowledgeable, and a, she's a super knowledgeable football fan. Like, and at she's least on our level. There's no doubt in yeah. my mind that she's like... Can we get Condi on the pod? Fat that, chance. That'd be a win. All right. We're, we're going to work on it. Strive. Strive, Strive for, for greatness. Things. Yeah. LeBron James. All right. Well, that is our summation of all the new Browns coaching hires. Um, it was super fun to do it. Um, I want to take this time to tell you guys, please, order some Barbasol razors. You get two dollars off if you use discount code Browns. I just I just got a new can of Barbasol. I like had had a can I've been working on for about nine months, and that, it that, finally that's Barbasol's biggest problem. It, that can is endless. It finally died. Just a bad and I got business a new one. decision. 
and it's so foamy and so nice. Oh, it was so great. I just shaved for the first time yesterday with the new can. It's beautiful. I'm telling you, I got that shave kit, and how long ago did we get that? At the beginning of the season? Yeah. I mean, like, I'm still working with that razor. It's fine. You haven't even changed the blade. No. I mean, it says, I mean, you can change all of your, like, convenient refill intervals. Maybe you want one. Maybe you want two. Maybe you want every four months. Um, you can change it. You probably want to go with the four months one because your razors are going to last for a really long time. Um, go to barbasol.com, Use discount code Browns. You're going to get $2 off your initial shave kit order. Now you also know that you could use sports and get $3. <laughs> <laughs> um, but please use Browns. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening, guys. We really appreciate you. Maybe try to combine them. <laughs> go Browns. Go Browns.